Welcome to the Big Self Podcast. You are joining us at a great time. We are moving bravely and boldly into October. October is our month on boldness, and we have lots of guests lined up to go boldly where Big Self has never gone before. Where is that? Well, it's our 10 month into COVID and podcasting and our first full month of launching into classes for starters. Today's guest is Lisa Michaud, an international success coach, speaker, entrepreneur, and real estate investor. At the age of 32, she's created a multi-million dollar net worth a growing real estate empire, incredible network, and a beautiful family. As a coach and speaker, Lisa inspires and leads and motivates everyone she works with. Her clients include entrepreneurs, executive parents, and leaders who are committed to creating fun and meaningful lives. There are many takeaways from our conversation today, but what I really want you to tune into is what she says about goals and habits and some of the practices and principles that she personally lives by. Lisa, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here with you, Chad and Shelly. We are thrilled to have you as well. And we're going to jump in there. So I know that from a pretty young age, you uh, you were already having a pretty great life, but then you had a health scare and it completely ended up into the way that you were seeing things and doing things. Would you tell us a little bit, tell us about that experience, kind of what you went through and what you learned from that? Yeah, totally. So about five or six years ago, I was living a really different life. And it was a great life. You're so right about that, Shelley. I was living in a northern community in Canada called Fort McMurray. My husband and I had – we had our house. We had a rental property. We had both had really good, high-paying, six-figure corporate jobs. We had a great group of friends. We were traveling all the time. And life was was actually really awesome. And then I had a health scare shortly after we got married, and I faced the reality that I might only have a year or two left to live. And I remember laying in bed that night with my husband, Troy, and I looked at him and I said, what do you you want to do? What if I I only have a year or two left to live? And he's a pretty pragmatic guy, so he looks at me and he's like, well, you know, you're the one with the timeline. What do you want to do? And the first thing that came to my mind was move to Vancouver. And... To tell you the truth, I'd wanted to live in Vancouver since I was a little girl. I remember coming to the city and my parents would fall asleep in the hotel room and I would look out the window and listen to my Christina Aguilera CD and just dream about living there. And yet over time, my list of reasons why I couldn't live there just got longer and longer. And I think this happens to a lot of us as we're dreaming, you know, as we're growing up in our life, you know, all of a sudden I realize, well, my, you know, my university's not there, so I can't live there. Or now I have a job in a different city and my husband's a small town boy. And so I couldn't possibly live in the city. And then we got tied down with mortgages and our careers got better. And it just, this list of why we couldn't live there became longer and longer and longer. And so to be honest, I'd kind of thrown the dream out altogether. But that night, laying in bed with Troy and realizing that this was a dream that was still in my heart and I was either going to have to choose to look at my list of excuses or reasons why I couldn't or find a way to make it happen, that's when I decided to make it happen. So I'm super lucky that it was just a scare and I'm healthy today. I mean, I have a little bit of a cold. You might hear I'm a bit nasally, but generally speaking, I'm healthy. Um, But that scare was a scare that I needed to wake up and realize that there was a lot of things in my life that I wanted to do that I was 
I felt like I was literally waiting for someone to give me permission to go do it. That I was waiting for someone to say, look, this is your timeline. You only have this much time left. Go do it. And so from that moment, we started creating a list of how is it possible instead of why it's not possible. And that really just changed so much in our lives. So it you know, it definitely took a few months because we had to um, sell houses, sell a lot of stuff, sell cars, change jobs, try and convince our parents that we weren't completely crazy and ended up moving to downtown Vancouver, which is where I'm so blessed to be recording this from today. Um, well, that's awesome. If I could, so like, so the timeline of some of this, you were taking, how, how long were you living under the, the, the threat or the imminence of your, your short timeline, because that, that must've tremendously, uh, added to, uh, I mean, I guess to the, to the stress and maybe even the poignancy of what you were doing. You know, it's funny because I don't know the exact timeline of how long I had that thought or was waiting for results, but I think it was only like a week or two. Like it wasn't very long. And I think that's so important okay. to say because it was it wasn't even that it was the scare it wasn't the the, the threat or like a long-term threat that was really what motivated us. It was almost just the idea of it that is what got us up and moving and just all of a sudden illuminated, aha, you know, I'm living a great life, but there's still these things that I want to do and I'm still holding myself back in these capacities. So let's keep going. Um, so, you know, the it was maybe a week or two where I was in this space of, I don't know what the next... I don't know if I'm going to have five years. I don't know if I might just be a year or two. So there was that time frame. Um, but even after I knew I was healthy and that wasn't the case, we still kept going. And I think that's yeah. really um, – I think I hope that that like inspires people and makes you realize that you don't necessarily need someone to tell you or Dr. Google to tell you or whatever um, or someone close to you to pass away or a major event for it to necessarily motivate you to get all the way through. All you need is that, that inspiration, that moment of clarity where you see, uh-huh, this is what I want and I can find a way to go get it because mm -hmm. the next six, seven months that it actually took us to sell the houses, sell the cars, quit the jobs, find new jobs, find a new place to live, all those things, none of that happened under duress or under any kind of stress. I mean, yes, yeah. moving is always a stress, but it wasn't that, um, that infant timeline. But we kept operating as if this mattered and this was important and this was necessary for our lives and our souls because it was. Yeah. So it makes me think of, and Chad will probably laugh because I talk about this book all the time, but it's uh, Father Richard Rohr's Falling Upward. And he talks about the first and the second half of life and how the first half of life is really about constructing an ego and um, kind of managing our impressions with people and what success and kind of climbing that. And then usually if we live long enough or we're awake enough, all of us have some kind of falling or failing or, um, you know, and a lot of times I hear people talk about some kind of physical scare. And it was, you know, for me, it was a really deep battle with burnout and it took me about a year to come out of that. And so when you're faced with these, these losses or this, this, I'm not in control, I think it does kind of start to like dismantle the ego a little bit. And then you're left with, and I love how you said that, like you're left with what does my soul want? Like, what am I longing for? If I'm not so busy constructing what I think I should be doing, then it, it kind of tears all that away. So, so I'm curious, you know, as a life coach, so you're, you're coaching now, you do life coaching with folks. How do you challenge them and how do you inspire them to change even if, if they're not having a life-changing event like this? Oh, that's such a good question. So I think one of the things that I discovered 
let me just tell you a little bit more about my story and how I think this this fits in is um, once we moved to Vancouver, I started looking for a job again and because that's just what you do, right? You look for a job. Mm-hmm. And yep. shortly after, you know, it was well, maybe a couple months in, I started looking at these postings that should have been perfect and I looked at it and I realized, what am I doing? I don't want a job. Now, I went to business school because I wanted to have a business and I knew that one day I wanted to, but I, even in that moment, I was telling myself, well, I don't have the, the perfect business idea or I don't have enough money in the bank. And when I, you know, even when we had a million dollars in the bank, it was like, well, I better have two. I better be safe, right? And let me wait for my kids to grow up. And I didn't even have kids, but let me tell you, I was waiting for them to grow up and move out so I could start my dreams again. Mm-hmm. And I realized, holy crap, here we go again. Here I, who just made this huge life change, I'm still trapping myself. And so that's that's what really got me curious and that's what really inspired me to do my coach training and to create the programs that I did because I realized that, it, yes, a, a big scare can help, but it, it's only going to help on that one time. So it, there's mm-hmm. actually so many um, mindset shifts and habits we need to create and, and ways that we need to shift our way of being to create change in more than just one area. So that's what got me so passionate about coaching and about the work that I'm doing. And so everything that I learned through that process, and I'm, I'm still learning and I still work with coaches for this reason, is what I help my clients with too. Because I don't think you actually need that life-changing event. And in fact, I, I hope that people aren't waiting for that moment mm-hmm. because every day you wait is a day longer. That's right. And that's where you know we get into figuring out First of all, the biggest thing I think is so many people don't, and myself included, I didn't allow myself to fully dream and fully say what I desired and what I wanted because it didn't feel realistic or it didn't feel practical. So that's often the first hurdle for for anybody listening to this. Like that's the first thing we want to do is to really allow ourselves to get honest about what our dreams are, about what we want in life, what our desires are, and to be unapologetic about that. And like just to get to that place in all parts of your life you have to knock down a lot of things, you know, expectations of other people, your own mindset, your own limiting beliefs, um, fear of success, Mm -hmm. fear of failure, the habits that we need to create, the people we surround ourselves with, the boundaries we need to put in place. Like there's so much work, even in just being able to declare what you really want in your life unapologetically. (laughs) Wow. You just clicked through a lot of major talking points. I have one for you though, that, so I find like a lot of people know that they're unsatisfied with what they're doing, you know? Um, but we find so many people just still, they, but they just don't know what they want. They, they kind of lack that clarity to what they desire, how they want to go about feeling in their life. How, how do you help people find that clarity? Mm, that's such a good question. I get that a lot. And one of my most popular topics is like how to figure out what your dream actually is on my podcast. That's one of the most downloaded episodes, I think Ooh. for a reason. Yeah. And I think it comes down to, I think people have this idea that they need to have like one passion or one idea. And I honestly think they're using, um, and I, you know, I've done this too, but we use the I don't know what I want to do as an excuse to stay safe and stay stuck, even if we're unhappy. So even again, to get to the place of of being able to say, okay, I don't know exactly what I want, but I'm willing to try some things, that requires courage. That requires action. That requires getting moving and doing something. So I think yeah. like that's the that's the biggest thing is to recognize, okay, what thoughts are actually holding you in this place of stuck? Or, you know, is it perfectionism? Is it feeling like you have to find that one perfect thing that's gonna be yours for the next 30 years or 40 years. Um, Because that's a belief that can really hold people back because 
we don't know what you don't know what that's going to look like, and there's only one way to find out, and that's by actually trying things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes too, you're you're going to stumble on things when you take certain risks, and yeah. you'll be surprised by those results. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And let me tell you something. You know, I and how many of us can uh, can agree with this? You know, you you take a job and you think it's going to be great, and you get in there and you're like, ah, oh, you know, I like this part, but this isn't quite what I want. I know when I started going to university, I went into study law. I went to criminology. And I took my first law class, and I was like. Oh, this is what law is? No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> so I, I didn't know until I actually had to spend my days actually researching legal papers and reading the documents and memorizing all these things. Like I thought, and this is super naive and you guys can all laugh at this, but I thought I was just going to be in the courtroom speaking and arguing because that's what I love to do and building cases. And that's not <laughs> what the path and so what so much of being a lawyer actually is. So that's where I think you know, action comes from clarity. And there's such a, such a power in coming from getting started. And the other thing I would say is that if people know that they're uh, whatever, they're not satisfied with what they have, I would say also look at that as clues for what you do want. So, you know, if you're feeling finding yourself bored or you're finding yourself um, feeling lonely, then that's a clue for what you do want. That's a clue for that you do want connection or that you do want to be around people, right? So you can also use what you don't want uh, or what you even if you have it and you don't like it, you can use that as a clue for what you do want. The, the problem or the, where I think the first thing people can do to get moving is to recognize that even if you don't know, you can at least get started. And that's the biggest thing, to push through any kind of beliefs, anything that's telling you, well, you have to know before you get started or you have to have this amount of money in your bank account or you have to have a great plan to get going or you have to know exactly what you're going to do or you know whatever that, that story that you're telling yourself. You have to first listen to it, see what you're telling yourself, and then blow that out and get, at least get moving because that's where the real clarity is going to come. I'm curious what you might say to this question. So you said courage, which I totally agree with. There's a sense of taking a risk and not knowing. Um, is that a skill or do you think that's innate? Like, how do you teach someone? Cause I think there's a way to kind of coach and guide someone right, like through that decision-making process and get them to the point where they're cl- more clear, but then it's like, okay, I'm, I can't act for you. I can't do this for you. And so do you find that people like some are just more courageous and they're just willing to take risks or is that something that you can kind of teach them? I absolutely think it's a skill. I think, and everybody that I've talked to, all the experiences that I've had, whenever you're starting anything new, it's always scary. It always requires courage. Mm -hmm. And it's, knowing and recognizing that in the beginning, everything's going to be a little scary. And hey, it still might be scary in five years, but if it's worth going for, you have to keep moving forward. And I think once you know that, you, and this is something that I can help coach people with or anybody listening, like once you know that, if you know that, you know, you're looking at Oprah and saying, wow, she's so great at interviewing. Well, guaranteed, she's been nervous before she interviewed people in the beginning. She's been doing it for 30 years, right? So if you recognize that pretty much everybody is terrible at something before they get good at it, if you recognize that fear is is a natural part of the process and recognize it, I often say the word with my clients, I say you're, you're nerve-sighted, like you're nervous and excited. And if you can recognize <laughs> that those are the same, often the same emotion, um, I've heard, and I, I don't know the, the source of this, but that you know, ex- being excited is the same as nervous, but it's just you actually breathing. <laughs> so if you can add breath to your nerves or add breath to that feeling of, of fear, you can actually move into excitement. It's like the difference between... Um, 
you know, being excited to go down a roller coaster and being way too scared. So I think when you can, if you can kind of look at that from an intellectual perspective and understand that, sometimes that reassures people. So those are are some of the things that I would say to anybody listening to this that that might help you. And then on the other side is, is getting, is being motivated enough and caring enough about what you're doing to make it okay to go through that discomfort. So sometimes you have to be pushing towards something that's awesome. And sometimes you have to be moving away from something that's not serving you right now. So sometimes you're moving away from a bigger fear, a bigger discomfort. You know, maybe you hate your job. And so that makes it a lot easier. You know, I have a client right now that's really dissatisfied in her career. And so she's made the commitment, even though it's uncomfortable, even though she's nervous, to put aside two hours a week for networking and looking for new opportunities and really putting herself out there. And so, yes, that's scary. Yes, that's going to require courage. And yes, she's (laughs) having to pump herself up. but she knows she what is working for her right now is not working. It, her job is not where she wants to be, and so she's moving away from that and using that as motivation and and empowerment to push herself to do the courageous thing and to get moving. And I do know she's you know she's been doing this for a few weeks now, and it is getting easier. It always does. It so, does. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to add to that. Um, as I was completely identifying with what you were saying about the nervous, but doing what you want. I remember about a year ago, I had been uh, podcasting for for a company some, and I had this opportunity to do live uh, Sirius XM radio for them. And I was like, bring it on. This is a dream come true. How exciting. Let's get on some Sirius XM. And I remember, you know, I was in the studios and they start doing the countdown thing. And they're <laughs> like five minutes to go, you know, and then they're like one minute and my palms start sweating. And then they're like 10 seconds. By the time my heart is hammering, I sound totally nervous when, you know, then I get nervous about sounding nervous. And I went through this for about six or seven weeks of just like freaking out during the countdown. Um, and finally I started just kind of doing like a little bit of a 10 minute meditation and that just like cracked the code. Wow. It's it, it just breathing. like, it, yeah, like it just, yeah. Just, just that breath, that breath work. And, and after that it was like, no problem. I remember you, he came home after like one of the first times he'd done this little meditation, which I think your brother mentioned to you. Really yeah. Works. used an app. Yeah. And he's like, it worked. <laughs> it worked. Really. It meditation worked. really worked. The breathing worked. Um, but anyway, so uh, cool. I just love that you shared that like that. It's so true. And even, you know, even just your reframe there, you know, you didn't say to yourself, I must not be meant for this or this is too hard for me or I can't do this. You looked at it and were like, you're like, okay, what can I do to make this better? How can I, what what tools can I use or how can I reframe to make this easier for myself? So even Hmm. just that shift right there is so powerful because I think a lot of people feel that fear and then sometimes think, oh, I'm not good enough or I'm not ready yet or I don't know what I'm doing and I need to get better before I'm ready to do that. So like that, that even there, Chad, I hear that in you that you had this power to just say, okay, what can I, how can I make this easier? Not sweat every single time before we go live. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and preparation of course helps. And, you know, I think this is interesting. So you've got this growing community, um, at, at your site, Lisa It's called, you call it goal, golden girls mastermind. That. That's so great. So, um, yeah, so, you, you know, I take it then this is about preparation too. You're a big believer in, in setting goals and, you know, there is, this is, it helps us organize our lives, but there's been a lot of emphasis lately. There's been a trend of, you know, it's really the processes behind the goals. Certainly James Clear is 
really emphasized that in Atomic Habits. Um, and he just, I mean, he downplays goals because apparently they're only as important as the processes and habits that we put into place. So why do you emphasize goals? Um, but and, and why do you think they're so important? Okay. I got to say, I absolutely love this question and I love James Clears' work. Like literally I have Atomic Habits sitting right on my desk. So it's good stuff. Oh, really? So I um, see that his work is so complementary to to the, to the goals. So let me say this, why I care about goals. And honestly, a part of it is probably because of my health scare and the awareness that I had from that, that time is precious and life is precious and that I just really want to soak up every moment that I have because I don't know how much of it I have. And I believe that for for every single person out there too, that your, your life is precious, your days are precious. Let's make the most of them. And one of the books that, that really resonates for me on this is Baroni Ware's The Five Regrets of the Dying. And mm-hmm. she was a – I hear you, Shelly. You're like, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. So she was a palliative <laughs> care nurse and she uh, saw the patterns over what people said when they were dying and when they were on the deathbeds. And the regrets were often very simple things like, I wish I'd allowed myself to be happier. And I wish I'd allowed myself to be true to who I am. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Those were those were a few of them. And what to me really stands out about that and where I think this matches up with my experience and with goals is that for me, like a very simple goal would have eliminated all of those regrets for those people on their deathbeds. It just is intention. It is not about being, you know, having the six pack abs or about being the winner and getting this award or about having a certain dollar amount or having a certain title. It is the simple things that you do every day, the way you live your life, the way you show up that allows you to live your life without regrets. And for me, I see goals as intention and intention is a tool to allow you to live your life without regrets. So that's a connection I see there that goals are just intention and I want for myself and I want for everybody listening, I want everyone in my community to be intentional with their time, to be intentional with their days, to be intentional with how they live their lives. So that's why the emphasis on goals because I think it allows us to have that kind of bigger picture and then I also think that, you know, goals, they're, they're a little sexy, right? Like people, if you yeah. say things like yeah. I want to cross that like finish it. line, right? Or I want to write my book or I want to um, get this thing. Like that actually does often motivate people to get moving and to create change. Because ultimately, and this is where I love, and I think James Clears' work fits in so beautifully, like goals are not about the outcome. They're about who you become in the process. Oh, and you, yeah. you can't get a goal. You can't achieve anything different if you don't change who you are fundamentally, how you think about things, how you behave, how you interact and the habits that you have. So for me, I see they just fit in all together. And what I love about goals is I think I've always just been a big dreamer. I believe that our time on this earth is precious. And I think that there are enough or often enough to help motivate people to make the changes every day, to live with intention and live more joyfully and more purposefully, more soulfully, so that, you know, whether they get their goals or not, they're still, they're still happy. They're still grateful Mm -hmm. and they're not living with regrets. They're not dying with regrets. So when I, um, I love everything you just said. When I was a therapist, I was almost anti-goals. Like I would work with, with patients and clients, um, in an integrative practice facility And I was so hung up on process that it became like this kind of wandering forest of, of, of personal growth work, which is great. But I, it wasn't until I moved into the business world 
that I really started becoming uh, aware of what you're talking about, like this idea of intentions and kind of where are you going? If you don't have an idea of where you're going, uh, and, and, and I would even take it a step further, how to measure that, you don't know if you're making progress. And so I think there's like this combination between, there's maybe a sweet spot here between goals as intentions and, and pointing you into what you really want, but the process by which you get to that goal or, or get to that end product is really where the gold is. And so, uh, and that's kind of what, I mean, what big self is all about. You know, we really believe in this, this merger between ego, which gets caught up in the, the result. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. Like we do have goals and I do have, we do have metrics around our business and what we want to accomplish, but the process, the, the way that we do that with heart, you know, being heart forward, being wholehearted, being intentional and soulful, like that's where the magic really is. So I'm really glad that you're speaking into that a little bit. Mm. And I just love everything that you said. I'm over here nodding my head because it's absolutely, it's, it's, I don't think it's an either or, I think it's an, it's an and as long as we're coming with it from the right place, right? As long as you're, the heart, the soul, the, the mind, like all those things are aligned with both the, the outcome and the process along the way. That's where the magic happens. Do well, you have like a specific kind of goal setting process? Like I know that there's probably a lot of work around getting clear and then building those intentions, but when someone's clear uh, and I'm even thinking about the decision-making process in psychology, we talk a lot about pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, then action, you know? And so there's a lot of like road work, a lot of laying, setting the table, if you will, before you even get to act. So how, like, what's your kind of process for getting people to make those decisions, um, build those goals and then start moving toward them? Mm, Such a good question. Okay. So let me say this. I don't think that there is like one perfect process that works for every single person and every single goal every day. So just to put that out there. So if you've tried something and it didn't work, it doesn't mean that it won't work for you. And if you hear about my process and it doesn't work, then, you know, there's nothing wrong with you and (laughs) that's okay. Um, So what I have done over the last couple years of my work is put together a a framework that I do find works for a good amount of people. And I always say this to people too. I always say like, use your best judgment. And remember, you're your own best expert. So I'm going to give you things that have worked for a lot of people, things that I want you to think about, questions I want you to reflect on. Um, But at the end of the day, like if you think something's going to work better, go for that. So I also love what you say. Like I think the majority of the work comes in the beginning of really thinking about what might come up, what's get might get in your way, and how you can eliminate some of those things. So I've created a 100-day goal focus. Um, so it's the 101 – Go 100 days, one goal. Can't talk this morning. Um, and basically what I encourage people to do is to pick one goal to focus on for 100 days. And I found one of the biggest things I, I think because I attract a lot of really brilliant, driven, ambitious women, they have all the goals. And I've been so guilty of that too. So that's kind of the, the biggest thing is that I say, okay. Like, oh, I have to pick one? Only one? Oh my really? gosh. We I thought you were about to say goals. one a day, but no, it's one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and if, like, again, you know, if, if we're talking, this is where being really honest about your capacity comes in. If you're someone, you know, even for myself a couple years ago before we had a kid and we had, now we have two businesses, um, back then my capacity was a lot higher and I could handle two goals at the same time. 
now with a young child and um, COVID not being able to have a lot of <laughs> support um, and two businesses, like our my capacity is significantly less. And that, I think that evolves for all of us through time. So I do really believe in having one focus. And the 100 days, I think, is just a really nice time frame because you're not waiting for like the next quarter to start or you know, a perfect day. You can just start anytime. And it's really more about consistent action than it is necessarily about a perfect process or doing the exact perfect step. It's about consistency, commitment, and focus. Yeah. And that sounds like kind of a reasonable time frame. I think they say a lot of research around just forming a habit, you know, takes about that much time. Yeah. Most research is showing a 66 days and up. And so that's another reason why I'm glad you brought this up. Why, why I love hundred days is because what I found is that it's a good balance for, to create habits and to actually see results. It's enough time to actually, you know, if you've started to create some things, actually put it out in the world and get feedback on it. And it's not so long that for my overachievers, you know, if I say to somebody, um, okay, can you can you put this on hold? You know, let's say you've got you you want to write your screenplay, um, and you want to do this fitness program, um, and you want to maybe not write it today, but you want to make these travel plans. Like, which one? What can you put on hold? Can you just put it on hold for a hundred days? Most of the time, people are okay with that. Like, it's not so far away that it feels like you're waiting another five years or ten years to do it. So it seems to be a really good balance. And before we get we get people to dive in to actually picking their goal this is a really key thing that I want to make sure I don't lose is that I always get people to think about what's the feeling you want to get out of that. And this is a lot of what I learned from Danielle Laporte and her desire map work yep. is I feel like Love so many that, people, yeah. yeah, so good, right? Um, yeah. A fellow Vancouver, right too. But she, she really focuses on like, how do you want to feel? And what I love about that too is that we can get people really clear on how they want to feel at the end of the goal. And then also we work backwards and say, okay, how can you actually create ways to feel this way every single day along the way so that you're not waiting for some marker, you're not waiting for you know something that may or may not be in your control, but you're actually able to feel the way you want to feel every single day along the way. So for example, if I have a client who wants to feel inspiring or powerful and that's why they want to write this book, well, I get them to think about it every single day along the way. You know, can they have a conversation that makes them feel inspiring? Can they, you know, create a, a social media post or go on a podcast or do something to inspire somebody or feel inspiring every single step along the way? And that actually helps them achieve their goal you know, even better in the end, but also every step along the way, you're actually feeling like you're making a difference. You're not waiting till the end of that time to feel that way. Mm -hmm. I like that. Uh, yeah, we're, we're familiar with her and well, and it almost, I think that's a good segue to almost like, let's turn this conversation sort of like almost inside out a little bit, because a lot of people when they're doing this work, they're, you know, especially uh, high achievers, they, they're doing it almost out of a sense of a lot of what the self-help industry kind of can can preach which is you you know kind of a worthiness thing like i'm not good enough i'm going and i'm going to prove it with all of these outward things and accomplishments and goals that i'm that i'm checking off but as you know i came across this article pretty recently um, about a statement that tim ferris of all people made i mean the dude who has um, been one of the most, I guess, productive human Pro beings yeah, productivity you, you can be. And he was like, I realized that, you know, not everything that's meaningful can be measured easily. And there's a lot of noise out there if you're, if you don't just fundamentally accept yourself. Um, is, is there a part of your process where you're helping people, you're coaching them on, on that inner work, um, having some self-compassion? Do you see that? 
the need for, for self-acceptance? Oh my gosh. I Yes, hand over heart, 100%. I often, we say goals and we, we it's kind of like the goals is what people think they want, but I know what they really need is the personal growth work. And mm. it's such a big part of that is worthiness and self-love and self-compassion. And I, I say this a lot, um, that you cannot work yourself to worthiness. And a really great example of where I see this showing up, and maybe if you're listening, this resonates for you, um, but people come a lot to me for time management. Like I have these things and I want to better time manage. And what I see happening is that um, it, it doesn't matter whether they had 24 hours or 30 hours or 48 hours in a day, they're still going to just cram it full because they're trying to work themselves to worthiness. And wow. then they're still going to do more. So absolutely, like these are the kinds of things that we need to peel back those layers. And I mean, this is the be- the power of being in a community. This is the power of having coaching is being able to dive into some of these deeper things to realize where these patterns are coming up and where these where these beliefs live so that we can become aware of them and then recreate them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is gets to the heart so much of what we're doing. Like I remember and I've shared this on the podcast before years ago, I was at a, a wisdom 2.0 conference and we were in a meditation, uh, seminar, I guess. And I remember like I was the CEO of a tech company at the time. And, you know, there was a lot about mindfulness in tech and building cultures of mindfulness. And here we are all meditating. There's probably 50 women in a room meditating together. And I was, I look, I, you know, I couldn't keep my eyes closed. I was like looking around. I'm like, don't, don't all these people have something to do? Like, like I have goals. I have things to do. Like I'm here to network. I want to like, and so like I've, I've, for a very, very long time, probably since I was a child, I have been looking for a way to blend this really um, goal-driven, ambitious, like I want to do a lot. Um, Like you're saying, Lisa, I feel like we have this one life to live and I sure as heck better make it worth it and leave, leave a legacy or make an impact or do something that's important. At the same time, I don't want my fear of of unworthiness to be the driver of that. And so the, like, how do I get back in touch with my true self, my true Shelly? So I guess that's my question for you as you're, as you're, you know, you coach a lot of women, a lot of people around this work, but for you, like what practices or routines help you kind of stay connected? Because that is, that is where the beauty of this, this whole work is, is like, um, staying connected to the true self so that we can do our big work. Mm, I just love that you said that. And I remember hearing that story on your podcast and it's, it stuck with me, Shelly, because I think so like who hasn't by the first several times we've ever tried to meditate been like, I got things to do. Come on guys. Yeah. Like hey, everybody else. Got no time for this. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. I probably actually said that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm going to go meet the people in the back that also aren't into this. We're going to exactly. Yep, we can hang out in the back. Yeah. Totally. You know, I think the biggest thing is that there's not one size that fits all. And the biggest, and it's going to even evolve throughout time. Like if some, if, you know, even today, Shelly, if somebody that exercised with you today, you might be like, oh my gosh, this is so delicious. I just yeah, get to exactly. sit here. It's amazing, right? Yep. Um, yep. I think the totally. biggest, you know, I, I just want to speak to the, you know, how do we make sure that we are living and truly taking advantage of our lives without the burnout or without the lack of self-worth or like that, mm-hmm. that piece of it. 
And I think it's really a simple question and an answer that only each one of us can answer for ourselves. And that is, is, is it serving you? You know, is, is what you're doing serving you? And if you are feeling alive and excited and you're feeling on purpose and feeling joyful, then it's working for you. And if you're feeling exhausted and burnt out and like you're still not enough and you're still not feeling that accomplishment or pride or whatever it is you're going after, then it's not serving you. And that's just a, a chance for you to pivot and reflect and and try something different. So I think the biggest mm-hmm. thing, like it's just that simple question is, is it serving me? Because there are also times when, uh, there's times on both, the times when the hustle, the dedication, the goals, the big drive, when that doesn't serve us. And there's times when the um, sitting around, like the trusting, the waiting for things to happen, that doesn't serve us. So it really is a balance and a balance that I think evolves and is so personal for each of us as humans and and as we move through move through lives and our goals. So I just wanted to say that that I think yeah, that's I love the question. That. And, yeah, and it's a dance, right? Between the two. I think a lot of times we get fixated and we over-index on this hustle and then we kind of react and we over-index on the stillness. And there's got to be this this kind of fluid fluid dance between both of them. I love that. And even yeah. just your voice. You guys' voices are just so beautiful, by the way. It just makes me want to dance with with everything you're saying. It's amazing. <laughs> well, thanks. Aww. We'll pay you for that I later. Love that. Um, yeah. So, uh, but Lisa, specifically for you, like, I mean, you've got uh, two young children, two young businesses. I don't know how old your business is. One, one are, child, but... two businesses. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you've got a lot going on. And uh, what what routine works for you, if anything? Yeah, so there's a couple of things that I use as staples um, that have really that really do help me. So one of them is every single week planning my weeks and reflecting. Hands down, this is the biggest chain, game changer. It is the simplest thing, and like this is probably the number one thing when I start working with people. We implement this, and they always come back to it, and always, um, you know, when I get testimonials or when I get people coming back to me years later, it's always like, oh my gosh, you taught me how to plan my weeks, and that was the biggest game changer. So it's literally, I take thirty to thirty minutes to forty five minutes every week, and I sit down, I reflect on the last week, and I start with celebrating. You know, what worked really well? What am I proud of? Because so often um, we just end up looking at our to do list, and we just become robots for that. And I want to start with an energy of excitement and pride and like, yes, we're, something's working really well. So I look at those things Hmm, and I also look at, yeah, yeah. I also look at, you know, is there something that I could have done, could have done better? What's a decision I could have made that would have made last week better or easier? And what can I now move forward into this week? And then I look at my, my goal. Um, so literally one goal. Um, and then I also look at my self-care practices. So how can I, how can I be the best version of me and really feel, feel good in me? And also how can I show up the way I want to in my family? And I, I decide what are the actions I'm going to take? What is the time I'm going to create for that? And I put it in my calendar right then and there. So if there's a team, meeting that I have to have, I schedule it and I put the put the invite out. If it's a date night with my partner, you know, we make the dinner reservation or the lunch reservation and we make sure we have a babysitter. Um, if it's a, you know, a spin class or a yoga class that I want to go to, I book that class so it's in my calendar. All those things are actually put in there. And I feel like that allows me to be um, in pr- proactive, intentional, and actually get, you know, I 
wouldn't say I get 100% of things done all the time, but I get like 80, 80% done. And that moves me forward on my big goals. And that also allows for that balance in there of me also taking care of myself. And again, that changes every week because even, you know, as women, like our, the way our hormones change every week, some weeks I have more capacity to work and some weeks I need a little bit more me time, right? So mm-hmm. it allows for me to be flexible and really tune into what I feel like I need and then create the week that's going to, it's going to fit that the best. So that's probably my, my yeah. biggest routine that helps. I also do that monthly. I look at, you know, how was the last month? What's the progress that I made? What were some of the things that, that held me back? And, and what am I going to do this month? What are kind of the big, the big events or milestones to look forward to? Um, what do I need to change? And I also find looking at the month means we often have less busy calendars, so there's more space to clear it if I need to. If there's a big project I'm working on. I can clear that time out. Um, so those are, those are two big, really, really big things, weekly planning and monthly reflection, I would say. Those are huge. Two other little things that I do on a kind of more daily basis. There's more, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, let me say this. I've built this over time, right? So I started weekly planning probably about nine years ago. And then now it's just, like I said, goals. I think one of my goals was actually just start planning my weeks. Now it's just who I am. It's just what I do. It's not even something I have to think about. Um, One of the recent things I've started probably in the last year incorporating is something I call micro journaling. So I literally have a journal right beside me. And anytime I notice myself feeling resistance or if I'm procrastinating on something or I'm scared about something or I've been triggered, I write that in there, pull out my journal and start to reflect on it and do that micro journaling. So I figure out what's this about? What's going on? What am I afraid of? Where does this come from? What's the truth? Those kinds of coaching questions I ask myself. So that's been really game changing too because it's been eye-opening then to see what are some of the limiting beliefs that I didn't even realize. Instead of having to wait a week or two or whatever to talk to a coach or talk to somebody else, I can usually really have some massive breakthroughs just by doing three to five minutes of journaling right in that moment. I love that idea. I mean, I know how powerful writing can be and I advocate for it and I've developed some curriculum around some writing methods. Um, but you know, I've kind of focused on like a 25 minute and then some reflection on that. I love the idea of three to five minutes. Yeah. It's just really quick. And when it, and what I found is that I didn't create the time and space to do the longer things. Um, but when I, when I just had a moment where say, for example, I got a, a a message on social media or an email that wasn't so nice, <laughs> I can then right away be like, okay, what's coming up for me? What am I feeling? And uh, you know, that might be triggering something like um, re- reminders of when I was bullied as being young, and maybe there's a chance to work through some of that work, or maybe it's triggering some sort of a self worth issue, or maybe it's actually not triggering anything at all, and I've realized that I've come a long way as not not attaching my self worth to other people's opinions of me. Um, but it allows me to do that work, that self growth, like in the moment really quickly and then move through yeah. it and decide what, okay, what am I actually going to do about this? Otherwise I felt like what was happening to me, and maybe you guys can relate to this, but it just felt like this tape going on in the background of background noise that I couldn't turn off, but wasn't actually productive or helping me move through it. It was just on replay. So mm-hmm. that's where micro journaling really helps me is anytime I'm stuck, anytime I've been triggered um, and I need to move through something right then and there, I pull out my journal. I'm literally looking at it on my desk right now and I can, I can move through and, and use the emotions, use the present moment to guide me for what's next. Mm. Did you have one more practice that you wanted to share? Yes, it is. I always have coaches and I always have mentors. And even though I I am a coach, I think I've heard this once when I first started my coaching career and I've really held on to it. It was that good coaches coach and great coaches get coached. Um, So I always, always work with a mentor, always work with someone because it's, 
is really easy to see things in other people and it's really easy to, you know, champion someone else or see where someone else might be blocking themselves. And it's really hard to see that for ourselves. And even myself with my experience with, you know, the women that I work with, I still need someone to help hold me accountable and help me see through some of my limiting beliefs. So, um, it, you know, sometimes it's been working in group programs. Sometimes it's been in one-on-one. It's, it's evolved over time depending on my needs and my capacity. But I always have at least one or two people that I have really trusted in my circle that I'm able to go to when I do get stuck because I really – I believe in it. I've seen the difference that it's made for in my life and in the lives of others. And so you better believe I'm going to continue that. So much good stuff Such there. Such goodness. That Love is it. that is a lot to chew on, everyone. Are you taking notes? Um, it is fantastic to have you on, Lisa. How how can people um, find out more about you and uh, reach out? Oh, well, you can check out my website, lisamichaud.com. Uh, I also have a podcast called Golden Girls. So it's goals as in G-O-A-L, Golden Girls. And we're on all the platforms. And I'm super active on social media, mostly on Instagram at The Lisa Me Show. And I'm also on Facebook, Pinterest. Um, and we'd just love to hear from you. If you've listened to this episode and something resonated or you have another question, I'm so happy to answer it. So feel free to send me a message, send me an email. Um, and I'm so happy to support you and, and help you on, on your journey of finding, finding your big self too. Yay. <laughs> love it. You are Thank such you. a delight. Like I, yeah, I love your energy you. and your positivity, uh, and your insights, not only in your clients, but in yourself. And we just, we're grateful that you've been here and are sharing with us. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely love what you guys are doing. You know, I'm, I'm already a huge fan. As soon as I found out about you guys, I've been listening to your episodes. I think you guys have such important work that you're doing. You both bring an incredible perspective and um, just, I think you guys mix both the soul, the, the dancing, the smoothness with, <laughs> with the real results. So I'm so grateful to have met you guys and thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks for tuning in to the Big Self Podcast. At the Big Self School, we know you want to connect with the world in a way that's meaningful and get rid of that feeling that life is just passing you by without you having anything to show for it. To do that, you need a community that supports you as you rediscover your purpose and resources to help you along the way. So we are creating books, we're building workshops, we have group coaching to help you rediscover your big self that we call Inner Circles and a healthy and whole community at Big Self School. So check out our two-hour virtual classes on how to build resiliency, how to discover what you really want, how to like yourself more, and how to find calm. I need that one. And many more at bigselfschool.com forward slash classes. We will see you on our next episode.